Hi, my name is Ronnie Greer, and this is the Monthly Safety Podcast for January of 2011. First, a little bit about me. I've been a Greyhound driver now for going on 20 years. Been in the driver instructor program for going on six, and I currently drive out of Syracuse, New York. Um, I wanted to mention that previous episodes are available to listen or download, and I'll give more information about that at the end of the podcast. Now, last month I talked quite a bit about winter weather and driving in the winter, um, and I'm going to talk about that again at the beginning of this episode uh, because it's very relevant. We've seen a lot of snow in the northeast and even in the southeast in areas that uh, generally don't see much snow, haven't seen snow in a long time, and it's not a one-time event uh, either. Obviously, it snows in other places in the country, um, but uh, where the majority of our service runs uh, in the northeast, we've seen quite a bit, and we continue to see it uh, with quite a bit of snowfall forecast for this evening, actually, um, along the uh, northeast. It's coming up from the south. So uh, a couple things I wanted to talk about when it relates to driving in the snow. Uh, first of all, whether you're experienced at driving in snow or not, uh, it's all the same. Uh, doesn't matter uh, whether you've driven in a lot or you haven't. The same principles still apply, and the same techniques will still keep you out of trouble. Uh, one of the important things to do when you're doing your pre-trip is to check the operation of your windshield wipers, uh, check your washers, make sure they're working, make sure you have adequate fluid, make sure your defrosters are working properly. Recently, I had a Prevost X345, one of the newer buses, what we call the blue buses, and the defrosters on the right side were not functioning. Uh, I don't know what happened. I know I didn't take that bus as there was quite a bit of snow in the forecast for that day leaving New York. So uh, don't take anything for granted. Make sure that you check everything. Um, make sure that your lights are working properly and make sure that they're visible. If necessary, wipe them off. If they're covered with salt or other grime, take a few moments uh, to wipe off your lights so that you can be seen by other vehicles. Uh, that's really important. Try to check the weather before you leave home. Be aware of what's going on if you know what direction you're heading in. And check the bulletin boards in the driver's room as well. Now, when you're driving in adverse weather, it's basic principle. Reduce your speed. Increase your following distance as appropriate. Try to minimize passing other vehicles. As with any pass, ask yourself, is this pass really necessary? I say that because a lot of times, uh, you know, the plows will clear the road, the salt trucks will put down the salt, and they won't do it necessarily uh, equally in all lanes at all times, just because it takes a while to get caught up with the weather. So you may find yourself traveling in the right-hand lane, in a line of vehicles, and feel the temptation to pass. But you have to ask yourself, is this really necessary? Because if you do go out to pass, you may find that your traction is reduced, there's more of a chance of losing control, and you get a little bit more of an uncomfortable feeling, uh, if you know what I mean. So, you know, sit back, relax, leave lots of room, uh, there's no hurry, we want to get there safely. It's more relaxing for you. It's more relaxing for your passengers. It gives you more control. Let the other vehicles lead the way, especially at nighttime. Sometimes it can be deceiving. You can feel like you can go around the vehicle in front of you, and then when you do, you realize that you are probably going at a much uh, safer speed behind that vehicle. So let's try to minimize the passing. Sit back, relax, and don't get yourself in a rush. Uh, driving fast in the snow does not make you a good driver. Uh, but some people feel like it's a badge of honor if they can drive faster in the snow. I recently uh, talked with a driver from another bus company who came in and said to me, like you hear a lot, that the weather was not that bad, 
Well, he started off by telling me that the weather was, was bad uh, for about uh, the first 60 miles of the trip heading down to New York. And he said, well, it's really not that bad. It's the, the other vehicles that are going 30 miles an hour that make it difficult. Uh, he said, you can go about 60. Now, how does uh, snow falling and the conditions being not so good uh, equate with driving 60 miles an hour? It doesn't. That's ridiculous. So, you know, let's, let's keep that in mind. Uh, watch your electronic message signs. There are a lot of them out there. They've been adding quite a few of them in my area uh, for things like road closures, detours, weather advisories, uh, things like that, rest areas that are available for stopping. Keep an eye on those signs. If the conditions get too bad where you feel it's unsafe to continue, as I mentioned last month, find a safe place to stop, communicate with your passengers, and with OSC. Um, and, you know, never use your Jake brake in adverse weather. We all know that if there is moisture on the road, whether it's rain, snow, ice, we do not want to use the Jake brake under any circumstances in that type of condition. Obviously, the Jake brake is to be used for steep downgrades, but only when the road is dry. So when you're doing your pre-trip inspection, ensure that the Jake brake is turned off. On most buses, there's no indication on the dash to tell you whether it's on until it activates on most buses. So make sure that you take a moment and make sure that the Jake brake is turned off. And just think how we complained in the summer about the heat and the air conditioners and all this kind of humidity and all this stuff. And now we're faced with the other extreme. So be careful what you wish for, I guess, because now we got some cold weather. Although I know some people that really like it a lot, and that's fine. We have lots of neighbors to the north uh, in the Canadian provinces and even in my area who really enjoy the, the uh, cold weather activities, skiing and, and uh, snowboarding and these kinds of things. Um, so we don't want to say bad things about that. But it's not, you know, the most pleasant condition to be driving the bus in. Okay, let's move on uh, and talk about driving in the Lincoln Tunnel and into Manhattan. Uh, we seem to have a recurring uh, issue. There are some drivers that still uh, don't fully understand the policies, and we're having some unnecessary uh, incidents, and we, we're even having some collisions that we should not have. I just spoke with a, with a driver instructor uh, who told me about a collision that happened down there, and it illustrates a problem that I've observed as well. So let me go into this uh, real quick. The, um, when you're approaching the Lincoln Tunnel, coming in on uh, Route 495, you have to get off at the Hoboken exit. This has been the policy for quite a while, and some drivers just feel that uh, they're going to decide what's appropriate and which way they feel going uh, more comfortable traveling, and that's not the case. We need to use the Hoboken exit and follow the proper route. You get off that Hoboken exit, and you stay to the right. And I had a driver that recently asked me about this after he was uh, yelled at for not following the correct route. He said, what was the purpose behind this? And the purpose behind this route is to keep you on the right side, keeps the traffic on your left, your right side is protected, the only thing that's on your right is going to be the curb or the wall, and that way you only have to manage traffic on one side of your bus, and the traffic, the side of the bus that we always try to keep the traffic on is the left in all situations. So again, we get off at the Hoboken exit, we stay to the right at all times, come on down the hill, and don't use that first entrance. That first entrance is for cars only, and the signs indicate that Continue on through, because if you use that first entrance, you may be involved in a collision, and you may receive a traffic ticket as well. Come on down past the firehouse. You'll make a right turn. You'll make another right turn. And at this point, be sure to stay to the right. As you approach the toll plaza, continue to stay to your right. You'll come into the toll. You'll come into the right-hand lane. And the right side of that toll plaza, the booths are wider. There's less of a chance 
of Umeris striking the booth. Obviously, we should be going through those booths at no more than five miles per hour. That's posted, and that's good judgment. But some drivers, when they get down, they take the proper route. They do everything right. And then when they get into the toll plaza, they just merge over to the left. Um, there are various reasons why this happens, but none of them uh, are legitimate. They merge over to the left, and now you've got vehicles on both sides of your bus. It's difficult to keep track of everyone, and uh, just like that, you can, you can have a problem. So we're going to stay to the right. You'll come through that right toll plaza. You'll come into the right lane of the right tube of the tunnel. Your right side is always going to be protected. You'll merge with the traffic as appropriate. Remember that if there's a situation where it's unclear as to who's going to go, we always yield the right of way. Always yield to other vehicles. Don't try to force your way. Don't feel as if it's my turn and I'm going to go. Always let the other vehicle go, and you'll get there eventually. The only other thing is that when you come through the tunnel, you may find yourself forced to the right. And if that happens, you simply stay to your right, proceed to 34th Street. That's a T intersection there. You'll have to go right or left. Proceed to 34th Street, turn right. Go on down to 10th Avenue and turn right. The 40th Street and turn right. You'll cross the intersection of 9th Avenue. Enter the terminal on your left into the south wing and proceed on through to the north wing to discharge your passengers. This is very important. This route comes from the safety department. It comes from uh, years of analysis in trying to eliminate or at least reduce collisions in and around the Lincoln Tunnel because these collisions can be prevented, and in all situations, the rule number one is to always protect your right side and keep the traffic to your left. So please take the proper route, and let's try to eliminate collisions in and around the Lincoln Tunnel as much as possible. The next issue I wanted to talk about is backing. This is something that we've talked about before, but we're still having some issues with backing, and so I wanted to mention it. Let me read from the driver's rule book, Rule S9, Backing. Prior to any backing maneuver, drivers will conduct a walk-around inspection. The four-way flashers shall be turned on, and the horn sounded loudly. Drivers are responsible for the safe backing of their bus. So, I recently observed in New York, I was there about 5.30 in the morning, as I am uh, several days a week, uh, and there's a trailways dispatcher that's moving buses around from different gates that have been there overnight. He's getting ready for the morning departures. And from my perspective, I'm sitting in my bus, I can see the left side of that bus a couple of gates over. And so the driver is preparing to back. You can tell, you can hear the engine change sound, you can hear the idle drop off, and the brakes release, and so on. And then I hear a little bit of a dragging sound as the bus starts to back. And I thought, well, the brakes are not released properly. And then I noticed that the driver had turned the wheel and continued to back. And that seemed like an odd thing to me. Why would you do that? I would figure that you would stop and try to release the brakes correctly before continuing. Um, and that's what he did. He stopped and released the brakes correctly and then continued. And I didn't hear any more dragging. And um, he was on his way. What I discovered afterwards was that the dragging that I heard was that there were several uh, boxes, some GPX freight on the right side of his bus that were making contact with that right front wheel and was causing that dragging sound. And this is something that I've seen before. I've seen drivers run over boxes, run over suitcases. In this case, I'm not sure if he uh, did any damage to the boxes or not. But what's the moral here? Well, he didn't perform a walk-around inspection. If he would have walked around this bus, the first thing he would have done was seen those boxes there. Well, certainly before he got back in the driver's seat, he would have seen those boxes. He would have moved them out of the way, and it would not have been an issue. 
So make sure that you do your walk-around inspection. It's really important. And that brings me to another unfortunate incident. We had a driver with more than 30 years of safe driving, uh, no preventable collisions, who was involved in a backing collision recently where the back of his bus made contact with uh, the mirror on a bus in the rear. And what happened here was just a basic thing where the driver got in a hurry for whatever reason, was in a rush, didn't use a guide, and before you know it, bang, he hit something. Uh, a guide was available. There was no need to be in a rush, but for whatever reason, the driver said it. You know, he got himself in a hurry, and, and uh, he made a mistake, and he's the first one to admit it. But it's something that was preventable and should not have happened. If you use a ground guide, uh, this will force you, in my opinion, to back slower, and to check your mirrors more often because you're going to keep be keeping track of the ground guide. So please follow the correct procedures uh, before you back up. Perform a walk-around inspection. Make sure you're wearing your safety vest. Perform a walk-around inspection. Uh, get back in the driver's seat before conditions change, before too much time elapses. Uh, go ahead and, and sound your horn and activate your flashers and back slowly and carefully at idle speed with the ground guide visible in your left mirror as much as possible. Let's try to eliminate backing collisions. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was driving smoothly because uh, driving safely and driving smoothly go together. And remember that we want to provide a safe and pleasant trip for our passengers. And one of the ways that we do that is to try and maintain a reasonably constant speed and to avoid sharp braking or harsh acceleration. Now, there's a driver um, out my way who is now an instructor, has been an instructor for a while actually, uh, who used to um, tell the students about, I thought it was an interesting uh, thing that he did. He would get on the New York State Thruway and travel approximately 130 miles uh, without having to exit. And this can be kind of uh, a little bit boring, maybe a little bit even trance-like. Um, you have to find things to occupy your mind, to break things up, keep yourself stimulated. Well, So what he would do is he would play a little bit of a game where he would try to uh, not use the brake. Try just to be on and off the accelerator. Uh, obviously, you know, not constantly on and off, but try not to have to brake um, for that entire length of that trip for about 130 miles on a road that's two lanes in each direction. And that requires a lot. That requires you to look ahead and plan and to look around to see other slow-moving vehicles, vehicles entering and exiting, disabled vehicles, service plazas, uh, curbs and hills and things like that. And it really is going to occupy your mind, but it also is going to force you to drive smoother, to give your passengers a more comfortable ride. And if you do that, it's going to make your uh, driving experience more relaxed as well, not having to brake sharply, not having to accelerate sharply. Um, and it's going to force you to always be taking in whatever your eyes see, to be looking further ahead, to be looking further to the sides, and to be planning accordingly. So that's something that you can try. Um, I wanted to talk about New York State. Uh, we're in January now. It's a new year, and some new laws came into effect. And New York State is one of the last states in the country to enact what they call a move-over law. Um, let me read from a memo from the Safety Department that was dated uh, August of 2010. Professional driver knows that slow down and move over for emergency vehicles on the road is not just the law in many states, but it is also the right thing to do as a professional driver. Whenever you see an emergency vehicle, police or fire department stopped on the road, or any vehicle stopped on the shoulder of the road, 
Make sure you take the following actions. Size up the situation and begin slowing down. Check traffic conditions behind and alongside your bus as well as what is ahead so you know the moves you can ma safely make. If it is safe to do so, move over and give the emergency or stopped vehicle the widest possible berth. If you cannot move over safely, slow down at least 20 miles per hour below the posted speed limit. Be extra careful if emergency personnel or other people are standing around. Sound your horn if necessary to reduce the risk of someone stepping into your path. If the emergency vehicle is moving or approaching, always pull over and yield the right of way immediately. Be courteous to police and emergency personnel. Slow down and move over when encountering them. It is not just the law, but it's also the right thing to do and the mark of a truly professional driver. And that, again, that comes from the safety department, comes from Al Smith. Um, and it's something that's been our policy for a very long time. And I, as I said, it's the law in many places. I'm surprised that New York is behind on that. The remaining states, Hawaii and, and the District of Columbia, have not enacted these laws. And the purpose of these laws is to protect the safety of law enforcement officials. Um, but as I said, in any situation where there's a vehicle on the side, we've talked about this before, a vehicle on the side of the road, whether it's an emergency vehicle or not, we need to use caution um, and take the appropriate action. So let's make sure that we do that. All right, moving on. Where my other... Oh, I lost my notes there. Okay. Um, the last thing that I wanted to say uh, was that uh, this is the ninth episode in the series. Uh, I've started this last May. And uh, you can get uh, previous episodes on the website. Um, you can go to my uh, Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Ronnie, R-O-N-N-I-E dot G-R-E-H-E-R. Uh, that'll give information there. You can also send me email at Ronnie, R-O-N-N-I-E, 13211 at gmail.com, and I can send you the links. Uh, there are two ways that you can get the podcast, whether you want to listen or you want to download. One is through a site called Podcast Machine, and the other one is through iTunes. I can send you that information. If you'd like, you can send me email. So we've talked about a lot this month. Certainly we've talked about driving and in adverse weather, which is something that we have to continue to contend with. And one thing that I did forget to mention that's very important, when you're doing your pre-trip inspection uh, at this time of year, ensure that you have a serviceable set of tire chains in your bus. Now, I know some drivers say, well, if the weather is that bad where I need tire chains, then I won't be driving. But realistically, you'll find yourself out on the road, the conditions deteriorate, and you may need to put those chains on in order to get to the next place safely. It's just that's the way it is. In many places out west, uh, chains are required in certain areas, and there are actually uh, areas where the signs will go up and say, uh, you know, this is the area where you're going to put the chains on before you can continue. But even in areas uh, in the east where we're not accustomed to using chains that much, there may be a time when you're going to need them. So ensure that you have a serviceable set of tire chains in your bus when you're doing your pre-trip inspection before you go at this time of year. I'd like to say that Everyone should have a safe and pleasant trip, and I will talk with you next month in February. I'll be at the driver's training school in Atlantic City, so hopefully I'll be able to get the February episode out. But the training season is beginning, so look for the new drivers to be out there in the next several months. Uh, please share your experience and your knowledge with them and help the new drivers along. Thank you, and see you next month.